Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chill and let them have it cause this is just an intro keeping the strong style six stars from the get go boy yeah from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome this is keeping it strong style with your host Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Joshua Smith and thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Donovan alongside the young boy Josh Smith. Thank you again for downloading our show for another week. We got a lot of great feedback on last week's Fantastica Mania show. And Josh, since the last time we've recorded, there's been two more Fantastica Mania shows. There has been two new beginning shows, title changes, and a lot of hot angles going on. Uh, if we were to try to cover all that this week, we'd probably have a four-hour episode. Sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we're, we're not going to do that to They did you. that on Sunday in WWE. <laughs> that was longer than that. Seemed to work out pretty good for those guys. Yeah, but we're not, we're not going to do that to you guys. Um, what we're going to do, we're going to cover the New Beginning shows next week. Uh, this week, we're going to focus on the last two nights of Fantastica Mania. I know there are a lot of podcasts out there that don't care for Fantastica Mania and are not giving giving you guys the coverage you want. But here at Keeping a Strong Style, we like Fantastica Mania, and we're going to give you the Fantastica Mania uh, coverage. Like I mentioned, we got a lot of great feedback on last week's Fantastica Mania show. Those were really well-received shows, and also we got a lot of downloads. I was kind of surprised. I, I was surprised, too. I didn't know. You know, a lot of people, I don't know if they watch Fantastica Mania, but um, we got a lot of downloads, and I saw a lot of people on the New Japan Reddit were um, they were excited about Fantastica Mania, and were looking for more coverage of it. Yeah, so I mean, it's kind of cool to uh, be able to kind of bridge the gap between New Beginning and <clears throat> excuse me, guys. I'm normally I'm the young boy, but I'm sick boy right now. <laughs> Um, kind of this sickness been trying to overtake me. I keep trying to kick out though, but yeah, to kind of bridge the gap between uh, you know Tokyo Dome all the way to New Beginning, and you know these shows were very very good, so they kind of do deserve the coverage you know that we can give them. Right, and so next week we will cover uh, the two New Beginning and Sapporo shows. We will also next week name the January Wrestler of the Month and January Match of the Month. Oh, yeah. And actually, I'm excited to see if there's something, you know, on these next two shows. I've been hearing some rumblings about uh, one of the main events was supposed to be really good. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. All right, Josh. Well, let's start off uh, Fantastica Mania from January 21st. Let's let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Opening match, we had uh, the team of Puma and Disturbio taking on the team of Drone and Star Jr. Um, You know, good little opening tag match here. 
Um, Disturbio was getting a lot of heat during this match for uh, he was biting um, Star Jr. and drone a lot through the match. Um, there was an awesome top rope uh, powerbomb spot uh, from Puma onto Star Jr. Um, Star Jr. did an awesome Asai moonsault at uh, one point in the match. What do you think about this match, Josh? Uh, that was you said it was Puma and Disturbio against uh, Drone and Star Jr. Yes, I mean that was a good opener. Um, you know, from what I understand, you know these guys essentially are somewhat of like mid card to like opener type guys, and they don't get to be featured as often like in in you know big shows like the the Arena Mexico shows and all that. So I felt like everybody here worked really hard. Um, how did the, what was the finish of that? So match? the finish was uh, Puma uh, caught drone in a cradle and pinned him. And that's something we mentioned on last week's show and these CMLL matches that a lot of times they could end with a quick uh, roll up or cradle. It's not always a big finish, and that's what happened here. Puma caught drone with a cradle and picked up the win here. Yeah, one of the only things with these shows is you know three of them back to back. It was it's almost they do so much stuff, which I'm not knocking that at all, but it it almost makes it hard to remember anything as being too memorable. Right. But I do remember you know I thought this match was good. Um, out of these guys, I do remember thinking that uh, I like uh, Star Junior a lot. I think yes, like Star Junior, he he comes off as being really, really, really charismatic, and he can that guy can really move in the ring. He does a lot of crazy freaking crap. Um, and then Puma, don't know about his gimmick long term. I guess in Mexico, it probably because uh, I know he's the son of I think Felino or one of the other, someone of that nature. Um, but he's a great worker, actually. He gets a lot of, like, really good heel heat, and the guy can just, like, tell a story using his body language, not so much just having to have facial expressions, that sort of thing. So I thought this was really good, um, you know, and it didn't outstay its welcome. It was, you know, kind of quick, happened, bang, bang, boom. And, yeah, this is a good match, good opener. Yeah. I also, too, was impressed with Star Jr., and I hope to see some more of his matches in the future. Uh, the next match, we had the team of Fuego, Soberano Jr., and Taguchi taking on Okamura and Sho and Yo over Pungi 3K. Yeah, so this match was the first time that we really got to see, like, Fuego and Taguchi sort of interact. Yeah. And yeah. kind of cut from the same cloth. Yeah, I would say, before we can talk about the match, we have to talk about what Taguchi was wearing. He came out here with, like, this green vest thing and this green hat. He looked like the Lucky Charms uh, <laughs> mascot. I was like, what are you wearing, Taguchi? You know, I was trying to get through these uh, sh- because I only had a short period of time to, like, kind of watch these. I was kind of just going, skipping through the entrances, mm-hmm. except for when LIJ would come out. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't actually even see that get up. But Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, I, I thought it was Lucky Charms when I saw that. Mm. Also, uh, Rapungi 3K were wearing Lucha masks. For their yeah, entrance. I noticed that. Did you also notice that they have different attires now? Yes, they did. I think um, I think that was just for the Fantastic Mania. I, I don't know. I watched New Beginning Night One. I can't remember what they. They what had the, their normal tire back. I thought they did, but I could be wrong. I was watched so much wrestling the last few days, like everything's starting to blur. <laughs> uh, so show kind of has like this. 
I don't know, almost like Goto-esque sort of like pants, you know? And then Yo was wearing like these cut off like half, I forget, there was someone in WWE who used to wear something like that. I feel like it was Zack Ryder, wasn't it, who he used to have? Yes, the one leg, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the one leg, so those are, those are kind of different, but they kind of fit his character a bit. And uh, I thought this match was really fun, actually. Yeah, this was a really good match. Um, actually, one thing I put in my notes, I put, all I wrote down was, Taguchi is over. <laughs> like, the crowd, they love Taguchi. Uh, it's just awesome to see, like, you know, he's not always considered as one of, like, top guys because he's kind of a clown, but yeah, um, he's over with the fans, and when it comes down to when it's time for him to wrestle, he knows how to get uh, stuff done in the ring. You know who's over is Mima Shimoda. That's uh, Akamura's wife. Oh, yes. Yes, she is. Like, she's great. Like, she's great. Yeah. Like, just everything that she does, healing it up, and, like, she takes bumps and yeah, stuff. Yeah, she got involved um, these last two nights in both of Akamura's matches a lot more than she did on night one. Yeah. Apparently, I didn't realize Mima Shimoda, once I realized that that's who she was, I was like, oh, okay. Like... I've seen her wrestle like as like an old Joshi tapes and things like that. So I am actually familiar with her work. She's a great worker. She probably still is actually. But uh, yeah, this was a really fun match. I thought that Sho and Yo, they've spent time in Mexico, so this really they fit well like right in with this. I liked the stuff with Fuego and uh, Akamura, just the comedy spots. Fuego's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like you mentioned, uh, we're talking about Mima. She was in there, and she was giving Taguchi a little bit of his own medicine with the hip attacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't she spank him at one point? I think she did, too, and then she hit him with the hip attacks until he started, like, uh, motorboarding her. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> this is stuff you're never going to see in WWE. Right. Like, it, those days are gone. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, uh, Fuego, uh, Sobrano Jr., and uh, Taguchi defeated Okamura, Sho, and Yo. Yeah. Uh, Soberano hit the Enziguri and corkscrew high cross on Akamura, and he got picked up the win there. Another fun little, you know, yeah. match. Um, something else I wrote in my notes. I wrote about Soberano Jr. I wrote he's smooth. He's so smooth. Where a lot of these guys kind of seem frantic and all over the place, and one of the knocks that a lot of like Western fans have on. Lucha Libre is sometimes it can see disconjointed or, you know, kind of clunky and they work from the other, you know, they work from the left side. Right, the right, side, right side. side, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of guys don't like that just visually, but uh, Soberano is just so smooth. Yeah, man. man, he hit a Fosbury flop that was just great. Everything he does um, is like poetry. It's, it, it's like, I don't know, I don't want to say he's like the Lucha Randy Orton, but I mean, when we think of smooth workers, I mean, Randy Orton's always the guy that comes to mind, so it's kind of similar to that. Right, and uh, something else, too, I took a note of with Taguchi, we've been seeing this, the Nakamura tributes uh, throughout his... A lot, yeah. Yeah, since Wrestle Kingdom, I believe, he's been doing, like, the Nakamura dance and the throwback pose thing, so... I hope he keeps doing it. Yeah, it's it's, (laughs) it's been hilarious. I hope one day we get uh, a standoff between the two of them, where they're both doing it and like in a match or something like right. that down the road that'd be freaking that would, awesome that would be alright up next we had the team of Atlantis Kawato Kojima and Kushida taking on the team of Bushi Rush uh, Takahashi and Naito L.I.J. yeah so this one was interesting in that uh, 
LIJ got jumped from the get-go. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of like the faces sort of picked up on, knew what they were going to do and kind of anticipated it and launched a preemptive attack. Uh, but then they basically got worked on the outside. LIJ still got the upper hand and just beat the crap out of them on the outside. Uh, but that was like a fun way to kind of unexpected opener, I suppose. Right. And um, at some point during this um we saw Naito roll up on uh, Milano again, the commentator. Yeah, like he was going <laughs> to attack him. Yeah, yeah that man's got to be living in fear every time he sees Naito. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but once again, you know, LIJ, they worked so well together, even with Roosh, who's not with them uh, full-time all the time because obviously he's in Mexico. Uh, but it's like he's a part of LIJ all the time. I mean, they work so well together. Um for, uh, for me, like, on a lot of these shows, Roosh has, like, been the standout guy. Dude, he oozes charisma. Man, he just, he's so good. I mean, when I see him, I'm like, man, this guy's a star. Yeah, he's he's really, really, really good. Like, I don't know what else to say about him, but, like, his mannerisms, his, like, character work, uh, you know, we, we always talk about Tranquilo. He's, like, the least Tranquilo of all the guys. Right. And he tries to, like, play it off like he's, <laughs> like he's cool, but he's clearly, like, the crazy one in the group. Yeah, I uh, also pop for their little like soccer ball spot they've been doing, where like actually they pass the soccer ball back and forth to each other. I liked the new gear that they came out with with the new jersey, the Lij jersey. Yeah, the, those are fresh. Like I would probably rock one of those. Right, um, and then uh, coming on one point of this match, they pretty much put the work on Kojima. He pretty much got jump zone by uh, all four members. On. Man, Roosh really beat the crap out of Kojima on the outside. I mean, it was kind of a prolonged thing. They, they had to separate them out. Oh, no, that was even after the match. But, like, during yeah. the match, man, he put the boots to that dude. Like, and uh, you're a Kojima guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I am. I love Kojima. Uh, so, yes, yeah, I was very invested in this rivalry. And uh, in my notes here for the finish of the match, I, I wrote... Rush kills Kawato. They were killing Kawato with <laughs> a double underhook pile driver. Uh, Hiromu was beating the crap out of Kawato. Yes, dude. Kawato's chest was like it was bleeding. Yeah, it was bleeding. At Busted one point. open his chest. That was some pro wrestling like Noah or some like Big Japan stuff right there. I mean, that was stiff as crap. You know, we always talk about like strong style, but the truth is, you don't see a lot of strong style in, in New Japan the way you do in like Big Japan or like Noah, some of the like guys, the bruisers they have over in those promotions. But man, this was some strong style strikes. Like, All right. Yeah. Uh, Kawada was getting killed. Yeah. And like I mentioned, uh, Roosh hit the Roosh driver on Kawato to get the pin. And then uh, post-match, Roosh and Kojima were brawling. Roosh beat Kojima down, which was obviously building to their one-on-one match on the next show. Yeah, the crowd was really into that. You're right. There was a lot of heat for this match. Um, it, just, it was just a, a solid, another solid match, a fun match. Yeah. It was fun, but also, like, they really beat the crap out of those guys. <laughs> it was like, I thought the the uh, match the night before, I, I enjoyed that more just for the shenanigans and overall story, and it was kind of crazier. Uh, but this one was, like, a little more violent, for sure. Yeah. So, up next, we had uh, the first semifinal match in the Hermanos uh, Tag Team Tournament. And you had Angel de Oro and Niebla Roja taking on the team of Ultimo and Gran Guerrero. 
Yeah, so this was pretty good too. I think one thing the listeners are going to pick up on is everything we're saying here is like, it's all pretty good. Nothing from this night so far had been really blow away. This was a, a kick up, you know, in terms of quality. You know, this is what, like the first match I'd say was like in that three and a half like territory, I suppose. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it, it was it was really good for what it was. Obviously, the built-in story with uh, Niebla Roja and, um, you know, Gran Guerrero. Uh, they had the title match the night before and that freaking awesome match. Yeah. Well, not the night before, but two nights before. Oh, right. But, um, yeah, I mean, and then obviously they headlined uh, the anniversary show, early, you know, last year. So, I mean, that kind of played into things here. And this was a real, this was a really, really good match. Right, there's yeah, a I mean, lot of good mat wrestling. Yeah, there's a lot of great mat wrestling, um, a lot of insane dives. There were a lot of in- insane dive spots from the um, Oro Brothers, um, in- insane dives from the Guerreros. Um, Ultimo Guerrero hit his um, top rope um, gourd buster thing. Yeah, they, they they kind of picked up where they were the, the night before where in that match, I think we mentioned, they did a lot of top rope moves, like yeah. big finishing top rope moves. They started doing that whole... Uh, it's almost like in, like how we talk about like a Western WWE match, like finisher, finisher, kick out, kind of like that. They just started going for these big moves, but just off the top rope, which is kind of different. But uh, yeah, it was really good. And... Um, yeah, when Gran Guerrero hit him with that, what is it that he he hit him with? Well, the, his finish. I guess he calls it the Gran Guerrero yeah. special. Yeah, but that's that's the thing where he lifts him up like like he's gonna. Pile it's a, it's like a lawn dart kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. he gets on top rope, lifts him up, and then lawn darts them and jumps at the same time. Yeah, the second half is really where it started picking up with all right. the dives and like the double team. There's a lot of double team dive moves. Yeah. Um, Angel de Oro, he did like a cartwheel Fosbury flop thing. He's awesome. And that was that was sick. It, it, it's really shocking because in the West, uh, you know, we've we get like uh, tastes of this sort of thing. You know, there's one guy that's special in each promotion that does like uh, lucha style. One or two guys, you know, and we think of them as being the best. But when you go down to Mexico, there's everybody can do this stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's the whole style and there's so many guys that are like that that you're like, man, like everybody down there can do this stuff. It's pretty impressive actually. You know, we think like, oh, you know, we have Phoenix over here, we got Ray and all that, but then God. then you you watch CMLL and everybody everybody down there's doing that stuff, you know. And I mean, obviously there's a difference between the top elite guys, so I'm not trying to say everybody can be like, you know, Mystico or whatever, but still uh, from like Star Junior, Saberano, and Hell de Oro, like there's a lot of guys down there. I mean, even like the other guys like Star Junior. Yeah, 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 are really, really good. Um, so as we mentioned, um, the Guerrero brothers picked up the win here. It's a very good tag match. Which I predicted. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the vision, man. Josh has the vision. Uh, called this called this tournament exactly. Yeah, Guerrero's picked up the win here. I don't think if, you know, it doesn't take, like too much I mean it's not nothing special about me I'm pretty sure most people that are semi-familiar could probably tell you like you know if if it's if Ultimo Guerrero and Gran Guerrero are teamed up they're gonna end up in the finals like they're you know Ultimo Guerrero is one of the biggest names in the company so right and then we had the next Armano semi-final match with the brother team of Dragon Lee and Mystico 
taking on the team of Quartero and Sanson. This was good. Um, it was shorter, and I think it was as good as the previous tag match. Uh, I thought it was interesting to see uh, Quattrero and Sanson come out with uh, the different like brother gear gear that they yeah. had. They wore the actual trunks instead of tights, which was different, and they all white. I was the whole time I was sitting there. I was like, "Good guys wear white, I guess." <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah. it, this was really good too. Yeah, they got they were getting some heat in the beginning of the match, trying to take off Mystical's mask. mask. Yeah. Um, Dragon Lee, he did an awesome Falcon Arrow at one point in this match. Um, they did a lot of awesome stuff. Like that's the thing. There's so many moves to call to just be like, they're doing a lot of crap. <laughs> yeah. Um. Mystico and Dragon Lee, two of the best high flyers in the whole world, and you know, they're brothers, and they just showed everybody why they're two of the best at what they do, you know, to yeah. steal a line from uh, Chris Jericho. <laughs> but they're really, really good. I mean, and Cotrera and Sanson, both of those guys, they're, uh, I forget who their family is or their lineage, but I know that they're like, they're both destined for stardom in that company. Just based on their build and their look and their family pedigree, but uh, with that still being the case, like they weren't on this particular night, they weren't going to go over Mystico and Dragon Lee. Right. Um, there was a lot of awesome Ranas in this match. Yeah. There was a reverse Rana uh, by Dragon Lee. There was like a, a apron, like assisted Hurricane Rana thing that uh, Dragon Lee and Mystico did. There was a uh, yeah Hurricane Rana to the outside that yeah. was really awesome. And um, then, like you mentioned, you know, they couldn't uh, take out Mystico and Dragon Lee. Mystico gets the win. He counters the suplex, locks in the La Mystica, which is like a, uh, looks like he's going for a head scissors, but then he drops him down into like a Fujiwara, Fujiwara. arm bar. Yeah. And he got the submission win here. Match was uh, 10 minutes and 30 seconds, so not that long, but it was still a very good match. I remember I used to play... Uh WWE like 13 or 14 I don't remember which one it was and I used to try to play Sin Cara a lot because he was getting that big push yeah and I hated that finish <laughs> every time I was like oh I gotta go into what, what, what are the finishes in that game called the um so the breaking submission oh the breaking point or whatever breaking point I freaking hated having to I was like this is this dude's finish he's one of the best high flyers in the world and he goes into a Fujiwara armbar <laughs> sucks uh grab a hole pal <laughs> All right, and then we have the main event of the evening. Oh, yeah. This was a match that you were looking forward to. The uh, most. Yes, you were. This was the NWA welterweight title match. We had the champion, Volador Jr., taking on the challenger, Barbaro Cavanario. Let's be clear here. This was not for the NWA Welterweight Championship. This is for the NWA World Historic Welterweight Championship. These are not the two same belts. <laughs> As, and if, if you have questions about what I'm referring to, just listen to our last podcast. We made mention of this. But, yeah, I've heard a lot of people say this is for the NWA Welterweight title. It's not. It's for the World Historic Welterweight right. Belt, which is freaking confusing as crap right we went over in the last episode a lot about all the titles that are in uh cima ll um yeah a lot of titles so listen to last week's episode if you need a history lesson on why there's so many belts and what belt is what but so this is for the nwa historic welterweight title uh the champion like i mentioned Voldor jr the challenger your man barbara 
Dude, both of these guys are my guys. I love Volador and I love Barbaro. I like Barbaro Cavanario the best for me. Like, he's my favorite guy in CMLL um, for a lot of different reasons. But this match was this was the match of the whole uh, tour. The whole tour. Yeah. Uh, something very interesting at the beginning. Uh, Volador, he kept his mask on for a little bit in the beginning and did a couple yeah. sequences with the mask. I was like, hmm, is he going to keep the mask on for this nah, match? They, once that mask comes off, they never work. That's what I was confused about, but then, and then eventually he uh, took it off. He does it every, like I said in the last uh, podcast, every, he doesn't do that in Japan, in Mexico, but in Japan, these guys, they, oh, I don't know why, it's just like this. Ooh, ah, spot. <laughs> him, 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 and uh, uh, Ultimo. Ultimo they yeah. do it every match, but they don't right. do it in Mexico. Just here, yeah. They do it every year. <laughs> it's weird. I don't I guess, know. Uh, they figured out they get a pop in Japan. They're like, oh, we'll keep doing it every year. Cheap pop. They get a pop off of it yeah. every single time. But this match was crazy. And, I mean, there were tons of crazy moves in this match. There was a nice plancha by uh, Barbaro. Um, there was also he did a crazy dive spot. He did a uh, splash to the floor, which was uh, there was one point where he did a springboard plancha into a uh, into a uh, hurricane rana to the outside. Yeah, and I was just like, man, that's that's some Rey Mysterio '97 like '96 '97 stuff, like. You know, it's crazy when you go back, you watch those matches and realize how good Ray was, because even as good as these guys are, they're not really on the level that Ray was. But I, I dare say Volador might be the best uh, luchador that I've seen that that's like active out there. Because I mean, he's incredible. Yeah, he's great. And um, there was um, I forgot who it was, but it was like a hammerlock suplex on the floor. They did a lot of stuff on the outside. Yeah. That, uh, he did the one spot where he does the, you know, on the inside where Cavernario, he does the uh, thing where he runs up springboards. The springboard off. splash thing, yeah. He did that on the outside off of a chair, which was really cool. One thing you're going to learn about Barbaro Cavernario, this man hates his knees. He yeah. just does not give a crap about his knees. That spot that he does where he does the splash to the so outside. Four, yeah, the caveman splash. He does it all the time. Yeah. I don't know how he's, like, walking. This dude, like, hates his freaking kneecaps. He doesn't want to walk when he's old. And uh, He's having a talk with Mick Foley, bro. Yeah, seriously. Uh, but I love him. Boulder <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jr., he hit a Spanish fly from the top turnbuckle for a near fall towards the end. The, in the beginning, it just seemed like these guys were trying to outdo one another. But at the end, again, uh, you know, Cabernario was really going for the win. And he was doing everything in his power to, to, to uh, put, you know, Volador away. One thing was I saw, and I don't have the specific stats here, but, like, apparently Volador has been holding on to this belt for, like, multiple years now. And I think he's got something, something like 17 or 18 title defenses, like racked up, uh, you know, because they don't defend their titles that often. So it's he's got one of the longest reigns in CMLL right now, which is pretty for this title, which he's he's really raised the prestige of the belt quite a bit because of that. So I mean, that was a big deal, go, you know, going into this match. Uh, really, really, really good match. Yeah, it was awesome. I highly recommend. Um, if you haven't watched Fantastica Mania. At least go do yourself the favor and watch this match from uh, night two. The uh, I guess the finish was pretty much at the end. Um, you know, Carbonario 
hit him with a huge superplex. He got the two, and then uh, he wasn't able to capitalize. Uh, Volador kicked out, and then uh, they went to the top, and Volador uh, hit him with the Spanish fly for the for the fall. And that was uh, it. Uh, didn't he? I thought he hit a Canadian destroyer after that. That's right. It was a Canadian destroyer. You're, yeah. you're, it was a Spanish fly. He kicked out, and then, and then he hit he him with the. Well, I guess, is it a Mexican destroyer then? <laughs> I, I guess so, man. He hit uh, it so fast. Yeah, it was so clean. I, was, I felt like I was watching Petey Williams in the X Division in his prime. Yeah. It was a beautiful Canadian destroyer. And pick up the win and successful to, uh, title defense to end the 21st Fantastic Mania. So I still, and I'll just say this, I thought the first night personally because of how good the card just overall was and with the LIJ shenanigans and then the top two title matches, I thought overall that was the best night. But this probably was um, one of the like two or three best matches, if not the best match of the entire tour. And it was, you know, right. This would have fit in um, with any New Japan like match, like you know, best of the Super Juniors or you know anything we've seen from like Hiromu and like. Kushida and like Osprey and all those guys over yeah. the past couple years. I mean, this was the same caliber of level. Like title match was awesome, awesome, yeah, match. very great match. And that crowd ate it up, man. Yeah, they did. They loved it. They were they were really hot for that match. So I was very very pleased because that was the match I was looking forward to the most, and they really delivered. Yeah, you hyped it up, and it lived up to the hype. So. Yeah, I'm good when that happens. <laughs> I'm glad when that happens and when I don't look stupid. <laughs> All right, now on to uh, Fantastica Mania, January 22nd. This was the last night of the Fantastica Mania tour. It opened up with the team of uh, Fuego and Taguchi taking on Puma and Disturbio. Once again, Taguchi was wearing the Lucky Charms gimmick, and he also had like a bird thing around his crotch. <laughs> it was really weird. Um, and something else to take a note of: we mentioned last week's on last week's episode that we were kind of down on the whole music issue. Well, on, yeah, on, they fixed it. Yeah, on night they three, they fixed it. They've well, been listening to the podcast. Yeah, well, on night two, they replaced everything with the Fantastica Mania music. Oh, that got that got so old. Fast. That got old fast. But here on on this show, they actually dubbed in music. I was wondering about that. I was like, why did they only? Like do the new music for this like show and the other one just got I don't know someone in the production truck or it's listening to keeping it strong style was like man these guys are right we need to (laughs) get our act together with the music they didn't fix the first show I I I went back and watched the match from it it's still the dead air so it's kind of weird Uh, so yeah they fixed that Um, Disturbio I'm I'm guessing he's like a big like Dragon Ball Z mark oh I was gonna mention that (laughs) he's wearing the Saiyan armor yeah yeah the freaking Saiyan armor but you know what I thought was cool about it was like he didn't have like the Vegeta Saiyan armor or something he had like the The Ginyu Force yeah like the Ginyu Force like the jobber he knows he's a mid-card guy so he's wearing mid-card armor right he looked like uh, (laughs) I forget now like it was like the fat green one yeah that's exactly what I thought I was like he's wearing the same armor as I forget it Bulba yeah I think that was his name yeah it's been a while since I watched that um, that saga um, yeah, man. I didn't know you like Dragon Ball Z, dude. I love Dragon Ball Z. I'm watching oh. Dragon Ball Super right now, bro. Are you? Yeah, dude, I did not know that. <laughs> you know that I went and saw uh, what was the movie when when Frieza came back? Like, oh, uh, wasn't it like Frieza's Revenge or something like that? I went that? and saw it in the movie theaters. Oh, wow, that was dope. Yeah, so yeah, I haven't started watching Super yet, but. I'm a nerd, guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I watch professional wrestling. <laughs> How did we and, never and, talk about this? So weird. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but yeah, uh, yeah, and they do the fusion. Yeah, dance. there's a fusion spot. Yeah, that's and, freaking. And cool. the announcers marked out too. They were like fusion. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it was awesome. Oh, so man. yeah, this was a another fun. Uh, and there was also a Kamehameha spot too. <laughs> Yo, I saw that and I was like, please nobody like thank God so few people watch this because please God no one show this to Jim. Like don't let Jimmy see this because like, uh, Jim Cornette is gonna lose his mind if he sees that crap. Goddamn anime wrestlers <laughs> shooting the Kamehameha, ruining the business. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, I was dying laughing when that happened. Yo, this was a really funny match. Uh, Disturbio and Puma just kind of being like the like very charismatic, like goofy heels, and then Fuego and Taguchi doing every silly spot under the sun. It was a really fun opener. Uh, that spot that you mentioned where uh, Taguchi's been doing the thing where like kind of like how Cien Almas like catches himself in the ropes but he does it with his butt now right so weird <laughs> but then he got he got Kamehameha out of the ring and he like oh. sold it like he got killed yeah so stupid but it's so funny it's so hilarious even though I don't even know if I should bury it or put it over I don't know what to do that. I don't want to touch and it and even the announcers they put that over too Kamehameha uh, uh, there was also a great moonsault to the outside from Fuego. Fuego's a, like, he's a comedy act, but that guy can really move, too. Yeah. All these guys can. It's crazy. Yeah. How do they work like that? Like, it's nuts. All, all year round. I know. Crazy. And then the finish came here. Uh, Fuego got a quick crucifix for the win. So, another fun Oh, opener. yeah, he hit him with the uh, that wraparound uh, pin. Yeah. Yeah, that... That usually, if someone gets hit with that in, in Mexico, that's a it's done. That's a dunzies, yeah. Yeah, you're done. So yeah, another fun opener match. It was solid, a lot of comedy, and the crowd really enjoyed it. Uh, the next match we had Jushin Thunder Liger, Tiger Mask, Kushida, and Star Junior taking on the team of Okamura, Shoyo, and Rocky Romero. Yes. So this was, uh, you know, kind of everything you'd expect it to be. I, I remember watching this thinking it was really good, but after it was over, I was like, uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Probably wasn't as good as it, as I enjoyed it to be. Right, and uh, something to note. Uh, I don't know if you. I know you were kind of skipping some of the entrances, but did you see Kushida's time machine mask? Yeah, yeah, he does that every year. Uh, yeah, I did see that actually because I watched more of the entrances this time because they had music. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I did see that. That was pretty funny. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, Jushin Thunder Liger coming out with Tiger Mask and Kushida. So kind of like the New Japan like juniors and teaming up with Star Junior. That was pretty cool. Yeah. There was a lot of great uh, chain wrestling in the beginning with, between uh, Kushida and Yo. Um, there's a spot where um, all four of the baby faces uh, were dancing and they were trying to get Tiger... Oh yeah, Tiger. Then, they tried to get Tiger Hattori with that. Yeah. And he did the weird like, <laughs> like old man like, I don't know shuffle. I guess right. You call it. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, but yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, and then um, Akamura's wife um, got was uh, involved in this match quite a bit. Mima. Yeah, Mima. She um, she took a tilt a world backbreaker, and the fans did not like that. They didn't like it every time she like bumped because she is kind of like a legend over there still. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, she's a heel, but, like, they love her. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, like, uh, Tiger Mask is getting some heat out there. Yeah, uh, and uh, Kushida suplexed her. Yeah, Kushida got heat, too. Yeah, the fans booed, and even Kushida, he, like, covered his head. He was like, oh, kind of like, I'm sorry, guys, but she, she was. She deserved it. Right. She was asking for it. <laughs> Uh, Liger, he did a cannonball from the apron. That was pretty cool. It's crazy that Liger can still go the way he can, man. Like, it's just nuts. It's Every time we see him, like, you know, it shouldn't be so surprising. But, I mean, this dude's in his 50s, and there's very few guys in the world. I mean, the only guy I can think of on, off the top of my head is, like, maybe Negro Casas. I can't think of anybody else that's still going like that. Right. It's crazy. And then uh, coming on to the end of the match, uh, Akamura hits his uh, reverse DDT reverse DDT thing on Star Junior and gets the win here. Uh, who hit that? Uh, Akamura. Oh, Akamura! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Akamura him with the uh, the uh, Scorpion Death Drop. Pretty much. Yeah. I guess that's his finish because that's what he finished uh, Fuego with the first night too. Right, and he does it. He he picks him up like in a scoop slam first, and then he drops him and drops him down. Yeah, it's pretty vicious looking. Actually, it's a pretty believable finish. Akamura is a uh, an older guy too who can really go. Yeah, I mean he. I was surprised. I like his gear too. I don't yeah, know, it kind of reminds me of Cody's gear. Yeah, and he got, yeah <laughs> the pattern, and he has like all kind of like the different like uh, flags on it. Yeah, I mean, there's some people that kind of thought this was disconjointed, but I thought it was perfectly what it needed to be. It was really fun, and you know, it, every everybody got their stuff in. It was a good, you know, another good match. Yeah. Then next up, we had um, the losers bracket match in the Hermanos tournament, and uh, some. I really like they did this loser's bracket because, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, I wrestled in high school, and a lot of times when we did um, tournaments, they were always uh, double elimination, so you could you could lose one match and still wind up getting third. There was a loser's bracket, um, so I thought that was pretty cool that they did a loser's bracket here. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this was kind of playing off the fact that... Uh uh, I don't. It wasn't Niebla Roja, but I think didn't Angel De Oro. He wrestled. Uh, who did he wrestle the first night? Was it Quartero? Or yeah, I, I think it was Quartero. Okay, yeah. So I mean, another another plan, a title match that we saw during this, uh, you know, tournament. But um, yeah, so it was Angel De Oro and Niebla Roja against Quartero and Sanson. Yeah, and this was, you know, actually, of all the tag matches, I thought this is probably the worst one. Yeah. Um, but it was still pretty decent for what it was. They didn't get much time. They got uh, nine minutes and thirty seconds. Mm. Um, but still, they tried to go very fast pace, probably because they had such a short time. But they went a fast pace. It was very hard hitting too. Yeah, they were they were throwing some really hard strikes in this. I remember there being one point where they were trading uh, blows, and I was like, "This could be a gift right here." Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, strong style. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a assisted dive. Um, Orho, Orho jumped off of Roja's back. That was cool, yeah. yeah. And then he ran across the other end and did, a flip did his dive. flip dive. Yeah, there was a great uh, double submission spot. Um, and Quartero and Sanson ended up getting the win here. Yeah, so apparently Angel de Oro and Niebla Roja, even though they're both champions, they are the worst of all the brother tag teams. Right. <laughs> so uh, they didn't get a single win during this tournament. Sanson did this cool uh, top rope uh, spinning rack bomb thing to get the win. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that move was awesome. I I actually was like kind of worried. I was like, these guys are freaking insane. Some of the stuff that yeah, they I had no idea what he was going to do, and then I he, he hit it off. It's almost um, AJ Styles was that move sometimes, but like on the ground. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's almost kind of similar to what Cena does a little bit. Yeah, when he sets guys up for the five knuckle, knuckle shuffle, but like off the top rope. Which is a lot better. <laughs> right. Everything off the top rope is a lot better. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Okay, match. And then we got the Kawato farewell match. So, yeah. we all know he's going on excursion. And Kawato and Atlantis teamed up uh, to take on Gato and Barbaro Cabernario. I think we talked about the potential that this match could kind of be like a, not a non-deliver, like a dud and I kind of think it did live up to that moniker. I didn't think much of it. To be yeah, it was okay. There were lots of signs in the crowd for Kawato. Um, they tried to get heat by taking off Atlantis's mask. That's a big deal. That's a big deal in Mexico. Like he's the oldest active competitor with his mask still going, and he's won more uh, mask versus hair. Just yeah, bet matches than anybody else there at this point. If you get, if whoever does win his mask, I think we talked about this before. It's going to be like beating the Undertaker streak essentially. So taking his mask off, that's some really heelish crap right there. Yeah, and there was a, they brawled on the outside for a while. There was a nice flip dive from Kawhi. And um, Barbaro, he uh, ended up submitting Kawato with his uh, signature hole. La Cabernaria. Yeah. Yeah, he tapped out Kawato, the young boy. Yeah, this is another short match, nine minutes and 14 seconds. It was, you know, it was pretty good. Uh, Kawato tried to uh, fire up and he tried to do all the, he got all the big spots that we've seen him do in, you know, in the, uh, what was the term? Young Lions Cup. Young Lions Cup. I feel like he did a little bit more. Yeah, he did some cool stuff. He did that uh, that outside flip, that flip yeah, plancha, which yeah. was to the outside, which I never really seen him do that. That was really cool. Um, he, he got some cool stuff in, but you know, ultimately, I didn't think too much. I thought I was really disappointed. I thought Atlantis was pretty bad actually on literally every match of this whole tour. Yeah, I mean, he just. I don't know if he's has nagging injuries or just he's, the fact that he's old. He's old, yeah. Anyone yeah. who's seeing him right now, they're not. You know, they're not seeing him at his best. I mean, this is. You know, it'd be like trying to show, show someone The Undertaker right now. Right, yeah. <laughs> it, it's very similar. Then uh, next up, we had uh, Drone Sobonero Jr., Voldor Jr., taking on Bushi, Takahashi, and Naito. This was good. Uh, yeah, this was really good. I mean, I would be surprised to say it wasn't, considering all the talent that was in this match. Um, I thought it was really cool to see, you know, Naito uh, tearing it up with all the juniors. Right, and of course, uh, at the beginning, LIJ jumped them at the start. Uh, something I noted, I said Naito is full um, Ingrobanobolis mode here. He's the ungovernable Naito that we come to love and know. I heard some people trying to say, like, you know, that uh, we haven't, we're not covering the new, sh- you know, the new beginning shows yet. I heard some people saying that, you know, there maybe he didn't get the crowd reactions that they're used to, but I didn't see it. I mean, granted, they were in Corkin, right? But I didn't see any of that on these and um, during I, this tour. I watched the first new beginning show, and during the Naito match, 
I heard a reaction, so I'm not quite sure what people are talking about. People are saying he's damaged because he lost to Okada. I'm not seeing that at all. I'm, I'm not seeing it. Um, we have some news later on Naito that will prove that he's not damaged. Um, and he, he's just reverting back to the LIJ Naito here. He's putting back the Stardust Genius. As we mentioned, that's kind of been his struggle between being LIJ Naito and Star Genius Naito. And, um, I liked the... There was the one spot in this match with Bushi and Drone where they just kept chopping each yes. other. Yes. That was freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, there was also a chop battle between Takahashi and Soberano. Um... Soberano was running wild in this match. He did his uh, spin dive. Soberano's running wild, brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a beautiful lion salt too from Soberano. Um, There's just so much, so many like high spots in this stuff. Like, yeah. Man, this is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy how much stuff they do. Like and, uh, it's yeah. nuts. And once again, um, I always keep making notes of this. Lij just works so well together. It doesn't matter which combination you put, whether it's two of them, three of them, all five of them with Roosh, they are so smooth and work in tandem. I, well I thought together. it was interesting to take note that Sonata and Evil were nowhere to be seen on this tour because they were overseas, but. It really didn't even feel like they were missing because how cohesive the four of these guys all were together all three nights, you know? Right. And so, yeah, I mean, it felt like LIJ was, you know, in full effect. I mean, this was, uh, for these three shows, it was the LIJ show, all, you know, all tour, basically. These guys were just ruling the roost, you know what I mean? Right. And then uh, towards the end of the match... Bushi was working over Drone. He hit a low blow and a backslide, and Lij stole the win here. I thought that was a good finish. Uh, you know, good way for them to get the cheap heel win. And uh, you know, they they obviously Drone being the lowest guy on that card or you know on that team essentially in terms of stature made sense. You know, and it was a good win for Bushi. Yeah. And then um, we had the semi main event. Roosh versus uh, Satoshi Kojima. They've been building this match the whole tour. What do you think about this match, Josh? I was more excited for it than it actually ended up being. I thought they built really well to it. And the brawling, like, in the beginning, I thought, I don't know, it just kind of, it ended up being good, but it it took a while to kind of yeah, get there. Yeah, it could have been better. Um Rush he was choking out Kojima. Rush was awesome. Yeah, choked out Kojima with a cable chair shot to the head. Oh, that chair sh- that chair shot uh, split him open hard way on the back of his head. I don't know yeah. if you noticed. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I, yeah, and I, I wish I kind of like the the old school lover me. I love chair shots, but then there's the part of me that's like I don't know if someone should be getting hit in the head that freaking hard. Hard, like, right? Even if it's plastic. Like obviously, look what happened. This dude got busted open. Um, um, also, um, Roosh did the machine gun chops to Ko- Kojima. Yeah. The, Kojima turned it around, returned the favor. I love the way Rush uh, Roosh sells Kojima's uh, machine gun chops. Oh, you know what? One thing I forgot to mention was in the, the night before, I think, it, I don't know if it was Kojima or who it was, but uh, guys kept trying to run into the corner. and they, uh, It might have been, I think it was Kojima, but maybe it wasn't. They kept... Uh, Making them miss and hit uh, Mima. Yeah, yeah, that was really funny. <laughs> oh man! Right. But yeah, so this match was this match was really you know it ended up being pretty good. Um, I feel like Rush 
I don't know what it is, but like last year he destroyed Atlantis all tour and then killed him at the end with a chair. And like he did the same thing to Kojima. He might have this new like legend killer gimmick where he just shows up in Japan for like for, for Fantastic Mania just to like kill be, yeah kill your favorite wrestler put, like put him out back like old Yeller. <laughs> so yeah, I mean he he kind of destroyed Kojima in this yeah, match. He to be did. honest, like um, it, it was kind of sad. Uh, didn't Kojima go for the Larry at one point and something happened? I can't remember. Yeah, well, uh, one point Kojima hit the Koji Cutter and a Brain Buster for a near fall. Um, Kojima's knee at some point he hurt his knee in this match. Um, it really kind of hindered the match because he couldn't move as well. Um, and then Roosh ended up hitting him with the Roosh uh, driver, which is a double underhook pile driver. And, yo, that move is devastating. I mean, that's one of those moves, like, you're kind of surprised guys are still using it or, or hitting it. And it, he looks so safe when he does it, but I, I'm still terrified every time I see someone yeah. take it. And then um, after the match, we had... Um, Bushi, Naito, and Takahashi. Yeah, they came out for the LIJ Love Fest. Yeah. Those guys. Uh, yeah, Roosh is like their cool cousin from like out of town who like comes in and takes them out to party with the big kids and like buys them beer. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> he's like home from college. Like, and he, he lets these like these young little LIJ, LIJ guys like party with him. You know what I mean? Right. But um, nah, it was. It was just they're, they're they're such a cool faction. Like I know we always like talk crap about like quote unquote cool heels, but they are they're cool heels. Right. And uh, but they're real heels all at the same time. Like they're heels. Yeah. Like, there's mean, no getting you around. You saw through this tour the way they were beating up Milano. They get heat, man. <laughs> yeah. So they were getting heat. Nice little celebration here. Then it was the main event of the night. And just saying, once again, I want to see Roosh back in New Japan. Oh, yeah. I want to see him in the G1. I would love to see Roosh in the G1. Like, I don't care if, like, someone well-deserving gets knocked out. <laughs> yeah. Like, well... Well, so, in Kojima, like I was mentioning his knee here, he actually ended up tearing his ACL, I believe. Yeah, so we, we were going to talk about that. We got a lot of news, you know, coming up, but that is something worth mentioning. So, Kojima has, you know, ruptured his ACL or his left ACL. So he's out for a while. Like, that's a very serious injury. From Especially for somebody at his age. Right. Um, so most likely he will not be in G1 this year. Well, you know, last year they did the storyline where it was Nagata's last G1 run. The year before that, uh, Kojima was supposed to be in the G1, and he gave up his spot for Tenzan, and it was Tenzan's last G1 run. So following that kind of like pattern, pattern, you would assume that with the New Japan dads that this may have potentially been Kojima's last G1 run. But I'm wondering now, like with this happening, are we even going to see him in another G1? And the interesting thing about the G1 and why it is so important, you know, you hear a lot of guys um, who don't follow New Japan. They wonder why certain guys don't get singles pushes or yada, yada. And they don't realize like the majority of the matches throughout the year are going to take place in tag matches. So when they get that singles push, it usually does happen during the G1. Exactly. This is when you're going to see the most singles matches of the entire year. And so for a guy, a legendary wrestler like Kojima, who's got such a storied past in New Japan and then all, all just wrestling in general in Japan, um, to see him kind of miss out on that tournament this year, it's kind of disappointing, I suppose. We don't know for sure. I mean, we'll get, we'll get more coverage once we hear more, but 
I don't I can't assume I can't believe that he would be back for the G1 this year yeah well so well wishes out to Kojima I'm a big Kojima mark and uh, hope he gets well soon and we can see a little bit more from him before he retires you know it's funny guys I uh, was talking with Jeremy the other day and I was like I don't understand why you like Kojima so much not that I don't like Kojima because I do but I thought that Jeremy like just started seeing like old Kojima was just like a mark for him from like <laughs> and I was like I didn't know that like you'd been watching him like for a while yeah and um, I was first exposed to Kojima um, during the first launch of MLW, which was in the early 2000s, kind of popped up after ECW went down. And uh, they did a lot of shows in Florida, and they came on at like midnight on a random channel. And uh, Kojima was one of their top stars, and he was wrestling guys like uh, Steve Carino and C.W. Anderson. And that was my first exposure to him, and I thought he was awesome then, and I tried to keep up with him ever since then. See, I knew you didn't watch, like, mid-2000s All Japan, so I was like, <laughs> I was like, you just see this guy in his prime. How, why do you like Kojima so much? I didn't know, like, yeah. oh, you've been watching for a while now. Yeah, so... So yeah, uh, all the well wishes to Kojima. Uh, I don't know when it ha- when that knee injury happened in that match. It was a kind of violent match, but right. Uh, I don't know. It seemed like this happened in the middle of the match. I don't know if just just I just don't ruptured in the middle of the match somehow. But yeah, I mean the fact that he he finished that match with that sort of injury is a testament to how tough that guy is. Yeah, I mean crazy. So uh, on to the main event. It was the finals of their uh, CMLL Hermanos uh, tag team tournament. Ultimo and Gran Guerrero taking on Dragon Lee and Mystico. Yeah, so I mean, this was the finals that we kind of predicted was was most likely to happen, and it made the most sense because you have two of the top up and coming. Well, I mean, I don't even want to say up and coming because they're they're up there, but you know, yeah, they're pretty much established. They're established, but I mean, they're you know, two of the younger stars who are you know the top baby faces going against two of the top established heels you know and all big draws there in mexico so i mean yeah and in and in japan so well yeah both of these teams are over huge yeah so it made a lot of sense that this is going to be the finish and you know jeremy run us down um something here i have in my notes i wrote mystico is freaking awesome (laughs) yeah (laughs) um there was a lot of great spots from both teams in this match. This match was very fast-paced. Uh, the Guerreros, they worked really well together and had a lot of great uh, teamwork in this match. Oh, there was an insane um, dive Rana spot yeah. from the crowd, which I marked out for. Um See what? Oh yeah, there was a uh, chop battle between uh, Dragon Lee and uh, Grand Guerrero, which was pretty intense. Uh, top, there was a top rope over the dive, Rana spot from Dragon Lee. Mystico and uh, Dragon Lee when they did the double plancha to the outside. Yeah, double flips. Yeah, have that double flips in stereo. There was top rope Rana's top rope power bomb. Uh, Grand Guerrero did a flip. Uh, move to the outside. There was like a lot of reversals to a lot of times where you thought one, like someone was going to get something, they would reverse it into a Rana, reverse it into a powerbomb. So there's a lot of like guys getting cut off and stopped right. and that sort of thing. Just really awesome momentum uh, shifts throughout the match. Yeah, there was a uh, standing uh, catching Spanish fly um, from Dragon Lee. And a, a lot of the uh, near falls were very believable. There's a lot of times where 
they kind of popped me because I kept thinking that this was going to be the finish. Oh, that's going to be the finish. And it seemed like they were just kicking at everything, just showing, you know, how hungry the, the both these teams were to be named, like, the best brothers tag team. <laughs> right, yeah. And then uh, coming on to the end of the match, um, Ultimo Guerrero, he did a uh, top rope reverse suplex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Guerrero special on Mystico. And Ultimo and Gran Guerrero win in 18 minutes and 40 seconds. They are the best brother tag team in CMLL. And they beat him clean. Yeah. Yeah, really, really, really good match. That was the match of the night. Um, I didn't necessarily think it was as good as the Volador Barbero Cabernario match or the top two. Uh, you know, the top two title matches from the first night, but right up there with those matches. I mean, all around, like, a fantastic finish to a really awesome tour once again. And, yeah, this was really, really good. Yeah, so highly recommend that you check out some of these top matches that we highlighted here from CMLL's Fantastica Mania. Um, great show. Looking forward to watching more CMLL and hoping some of these guys come back for... Best of the Super Juniors and the G1. So, and then afterwards, they did a send-off for Kawato. So, let's talk about that. Yeah, so, um, also, we don't really have the translation of what the promos were. <laughs> were but pretty much, it was a send-off. They gave Kawato the mic, um, assuming he was saying, you know, goodbye. And that he was, he's going to do his best in CMLL. And, um, actually, he's making his, um... Debut. You're listening to this on Tuesday, uh, January 30th. He's making his debut today. Yeah, on the 30th. So he's going to be wrestling at Arena Mexico. Uh, the match is uh, Fuego, uh, Triton, and Aduez, whoever that is. Uh, take It's a six-man tag taking on Raziel, Cancerber, uh, Cancerbero, I don't even know how to announce his, <laughs> his name, and Coato. And, and the interesting thing here is Coato is working heel in this match. Right. And he's making his official CMLL debut, you know, in Mexico. So, um, yeah, they got him working heel. That's yeah. very interesting. I was, I thought, you know, Coato, he was pushed as a babyface in New Japan. I, I would think that he would, they would keep him as a babyface. Um, I mean, I think it's great. Uh, I don't know if, like, this is going to be a, a forever established character. I mean, a lot of guys do, you know, from Japan do tend to go over there and work other, you know, personas, learn how to work both sides, which is, you know, great. Plus, you know, you always hear the old adage, it's always, e- it's easier to work heel. Yeah. So that might be, that might play into it. But, um, I mean, it's exciting to see what's going to happen with, you know, Kawato in CMLL and what he's going to learn and how he's going to progress as a performer going going down there, you know? Right. All right, so let's uh, keep on going. We well, have a lot more news to cover. Well, I want to talk about Kawato. <clears throat> All right, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, there have been a lot of, like, speculations about, you know, what basically what's going to happen with Kawato, and I feel like this is a, a good time to kind of talk about it because, obviously... Um, he is leaving, um, you know. Right, right. There's been a lot of rumblings on whether when he comes back, if he would take on like a Liger, a new Liger persona, whether that be like a Liger 2 or like a super Liger kind of gimmick. I think that part of the reason why is because 
in the past, there have been people like, for instance, Mizawa uh, or Koji Kanemoto, who have worked under the like the Tiger Mask um, gimmick and kind of established themselves that way, and then eventually taken off the mask. Whereas, you know, n- in modern times, ti- the new Tiger Mask, Tiger Mask Four, he's never taken the mask off, so he's kind of just uh, established his whole, you know, c- uh, character and career under that that gimmick. But people see the potential in Kawato so much so that I think that they do assume that maybe he could be one. I think when they it's high praise because when we think of a guy like, uh, you know, Kiji Yamada, who is Jushin Thunder Liger, who's worked his whole entire career under that gimmick. The fact that they think that I think people have wondered who could possibly ever replace him. You know what I mean? Right. Or who could ever truly don the, uh, you know, the Tiger Mask gimmick again and you know, live up to like the standards of like, uh, you know, uh, Satoru Sayama. And this is a guy that I think the fans see where maybe he could be that. Right. And um, it'd be very interesting. I mean, it's also a potential. Maybe he could be another, another tiger mask. I hear, I've heard both sides of the story where there's people who are like, I don't want to see him come back under a mask. Um, you you hear a lot of people talk about how great this dude's facial expressions are. You know what I mean? Right. He's great at selling. Yeah, he's an awesome seller, <clears throat> and he's a great storyteller. One thing though, if you ever watch a match with a lot of these uh, luchadors who work under the mask, what they learn how to do, uh, talking about a guy like Fuego, for instance, or like Liger, they know how to tell the story using body language. Right. Not all wrestlers know how to do that, and it's something where if someone who's worked under a mask. Like, for instance, like a Hiromu Takahashi, he knows how to do it. There, We always talk about the swag and how he's got this this it. I think it comes from the fact that he worked as Kamatachi for so long under the mask before he did demask. You know what I mean? Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did put him under a mask, at least at some point when he's in Mexico. Now, if he comes back and he dons a new gimmick that way, I mean, I don't know. Right, and there's also a possibility maybe he even joins LIJ. Maybe he joins LI in CMLL and then comes back and joins LIJ in Japan. Maybe. I'm wondering how long he's going to be gone, to right. be honest. I mean, this he's very young. Right, I mean, he could be there for, he could be there for a, a couple while. of years. I know Takahashi was there for a while. You know, um, that kind of brings up the point, you know, of all the different excursion points that... And partnerships that New Japan has, almost none have been as successful as CMLL's partnership with them. I mean, you just look at the list of guys that have spent time down there and really established their character. You got uh, Tanahashi has spent time down there, Nakamura, Naito, Yoshihashi, Taguchi, Tamatanga, Yujiro, Gato, Jado, Y2J's been there, even though he wasn't with New Japan, Goto, Hiromu Takahashi, Liger, Bushi. The list goes on and on, show and yo. So, I mean, that's a pretty extensive list of guys who've gone there. And, I mean, I don't know a single person on that list that I would sit back and say can't work or, you know. Right. I mean, all those are top guys, top workers. Um, so, I mean, I'm expecting great things that come of this excursion for Kawato. Um, you know, I'm expecting him to be there for a while. And, um, and when he comes back, he's going to be a superstar. I mean, they see him, you know, we've talked about before, they, they say he's the ace of the uh, young boys, he's like the senpai, and he has the most like responsibilities as far as like leading the class, and so I think they're putting a lot of faith and a lot of trust in him right now, 
And I don't know what plans they do or don't have for him. I think at this point, anyone who talks about it is just speculating. But the fact that there are so many people speculating about what he can and can't do or will or won't be just goes to show you like how much hype there is behind what he's going to do while he's away and the anticipation for when he does come back. And, I mean, with his size he very well could be that guy that takes the mantle from Kushida as being like the crown jewel of the junior division when he comes back. Right. I mean, that could be a great opportunity to uh, move Kushida to heavyweight and let Kawato run with the junior division. Yeah. So, I mean, we're very excited. Um, you know, I am going to be, disapp- you know, I'm a little disappointed. It's bittersweet because we're not going to be able to get to see Kawato quite as often. But when he does come back, I'm sure we're, we're going to see him, you know, really showcase New Japan. And I'm excited for that for sure. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about uh, Long Beach, Josh. Uh, so New Japan is coming back to Long Beach. We mentioned this March 25th at the Long Beach uh, at the Walter Pyramid. Um, tickets went on sale today and sold out in 20 minutes. So we, we're not going then, huh? <laughs> guess, get, yeah, I guess not. <laughs> Unless we want to buy those tickets on crazy markup. Yeah. Like, I'm this, sure. I don't even know. You think like the, the people that are buying them out that quick, you think that they're fans who are going for sure? Or you think it's like I would say, ticket scalpers? I would say majority are probably fans who are going. And then I'm sure there's going to be ticket scalpers in there. Um, I need to follow up. I have a buddy that lives in California. Shout out Cam Evans. Um, I didn't know Cam lived in... Yeah, yeah, he lives in uh, California now. Uh, we went to co- uh, college together, but he's out there in California. He goes to PWG all the time. Huh. Um, and I knew that he was looking to get these tickets, so I need to follow up with him and see if he got the tickets. Uh, maybe he can be our correspondent uh, for that show. Hmm. And uh, something uh, interesting about um, the Strong Style Evolve show here, it's not going to be airing live on New Japan World if yeah. you are from the U.S. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it will air live in Japan and Canada and the rest of the world. So that seems like it's going to, that means it's going to air live on Access TV again like it did last year when they were in Long Beach. Well, they talked about that, Mark Cuban did, where he said that they were paying to do more live shows and that sort of thing. So I'm assuming at this point that that, that must be this must be what he must have been talking about right and so i mean the show will be available for us subscribers after it's aired live um but um stay stay tuned they haven't given all the details for that yet i mean i think that's somewhat exciting for the you know um that they're going to air this show live on access is a really big deal again um i know i got to see the show live last time on access uh I think I might have watched it with Rich, actually. I can't remember. But yeah, I watched it on Access, which is really cool. But then now I'm in a position where I don't have Access right now. So that does kind of maybe limit how many people can watch it. Right, and especially after uh, Wrestle Kingdom, we've had this surge of new New Japan World subscribers. You think this would be another great show for all those new subscribers to check out? Well, I mean, you know, we're going to go over the numbers here in a little bit, but if anything,